We are on Ksubis, the very bottom of Ayin Bez, Amabez 72b, moving on to Ayin Gimel Omad Aleph, 73a. And we are discussing what happens in various scenarios where there is a condition. There is a condition placed upon the Kiddushin, upon the engagement, the halachic engagement. And what happens if it uh, is not fulfilled? What happens if there is no condition, but it is assumed? That was, that was the discussion in the Mishnah. The Gemara now discusses one specific case. Itmar. What happens if there is a condition on the condition, on the halachic engagement? Let's say the condition is that uh, we are engaged on the condition that my wife, my soon-to-be wife, does not have any oaths. She did not take any oaths that uh, relate to, let's say, uh, something which would cause her a lot of pain, that would impact the whole, uh, the whole couple. And so he makes such an oath. However... What happens? They, they haven't resolved, they haven't uh, solved this, this issue, uh, they haven't uh, clarified this issue, and he then goes ahead and he marries her. He marries her completely. So he marries her completely. While they're married, um, they have marital relations, and the question is, well, now that they're having marital relations, uh, and they're getting married, so then is he essentially foregoing and saying that I don't really I don't need these conditions. The fact that he's following through, he didn't just wait to find out and to evaluate and to um, to clarify the issues. No, he went ahead and they got fully married. So now, do we say that now that they're fully married and he didn't stipulate anything? So then, uh, do we say that it's really it's really a good marriage, um, and we sort of ignore the conditions? So this is a d- matter of debate between Rav and Shmuel. Rav and Ratzrichem and Uget. Rav says, yes, they are now fully married. And we require a divorce document uh, if they want to get divorced. Shmuel argues and says, no, they are still not married. That we still assume that and rely upon the condition that existed from the time of the engagement, of the halachic engagement, which could either happen, a halachic engagement could either be through the giving of money, which we do today, the giving of a ring, or it could be a marriage document, or the third one, which we, uh, the Gemara says that we, uh, we frown upon, and uh, it's on a biblical level, on a derisive level, uh, valid, but we say that it's inappropriate, is to have sexual relations. That's a form of also, uh, a form of the, the creation of the halachic engagement. Um, so Shmuel says that once, uh, once there's a condition placed on, on, on those uh, forms of kiddushin, of, of the engagement, even if they were to get married, that marriage is not viewed as, as, as sort of removing those conditions. No, those conditions still are in place. And therefore, if the conditions are not met, if she in fact did take an oath before they were engaged, so then nothing is, is, is chal, nothing uh, has, uh, there's no marriage which has been created on a legal level, and therefore there's no need for a divorce. They're not married. They're not married. Shmuel says they're not married. Rav says that they are married. Okay, moving on to Ayin Gimel Menal, 73a. Amar Abaye, Abaye says, what is the logic behind Rav? Shmuel, I understand. Shmuel says that we rely upon the conditions that we had uh, before. The question is, what about Rav? What happened to those conditions? How did they just fall away? So he says, Lo Don't say the following. Don't say, ah, oh, they're getting married. 
they're under the chuppah, they're under the, the, the canopy, and they're getting married. So he's basically saying, ah, I forget, forget about what I said before. Forget about the, all the conditions that I, that I, uh, that I made. No, that's not what's happening, says Abai. That is not what's happening. What's happening? The reason for Rav is that if they are getting married, that means they are also engaging in marital relations. They're having marital relations. And if that's the case, we, we, we state that this is the position of Rav, and Shmuel argues in this scenario, but Rav is of the position that if they're having marital relations, so then we assume that they want to do things properly, that they don't want to have uh, ma- uh, relations outside the context of a marriage. No, they want to be married in order to have marital relations. And so therefore, we will view, explains Rashi and others, that once they start having sexual relations, it's for the sake of the, we mentioned before, one of the three ways to be engaged is through sexual relations. And that's what they're doing right now. They want to have that new, it's a, it's a new kiddushin. It's a new form of being engaged. We said there are three ways to be engaged. One of those ways is by having sexual relations. And now they're doing that. They're doing that now. And this is now uh, a, new, a, new, uh, a new engagement. Forget about the old engagement. This is a new engagement right now, right here and right now. Rashi points out, that even though they are engaged uh, right now, and therefore Rav is of the position that they would require a divorce document if they want to get divorced. Uh, however, she does not receive her ksuba. She would not receive her ksuba because even though they are married, he still wants uh, he, he wants to make sure that when he's having marital relations, it's within the context of a marriage. However, he still is of the he still holds that if my wife is taking these oaths, so I, it needs to. The, the ksuba cannot uh, take place uh, because, as the Rambam mentions, Maimonides mentions, we want to make it easier for him because he, does, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't, in the long run, want this marriage, and so therefore we want to make it easier for him. That's not what he had in mind for her to make all these oaths that make it difficult for them to be married together. For her, make it difficult for her. It causes pain to her, um, and so therefore there is no ksuba. They are married. They are married because the person, when they're having marital relations, according to Rav. Must be it's marital relations. It's within the context of a marriage. Um, Shmuel would would seemingly argue and say that no, uh, that's not uh, it's not necessarily the case. At least in this case, it's not necessarily the case, and and therefore it could be that they're having relations, even though there's this suffix, there's this doubt. We're not sure whether or not they're fully married yet. We haven't clarified the issue whether or not she has taken oaths or not, and if in fact she has taken an oath. Okay, so then what ended up happening was that they were having sexual relations outside the context of marriage. Says the Gemara, This dispute, this argument between Rav and Shmuel, we've already had elsewhere. Why do we have to have it uh, twice? Because we have the following statement. What happens if the following? We know that there's a concept of a ketana, a girl who is under the age of 12. She could have a rabbinic a marriage on a rabbinic level, not where her father marries her off, that's on a biblical level, but let's say the father dies, so then we can have it that uh, the mother or her brothers can marry her off with her consent, she has to give her consent, and again, this is in the days when they used to get married at the age of 12, so for them to get married at the age of 11, or engaged at the age of 11 is not uh, so crazy, and we do this to help her out, this is all to help her out because her father passed away, and therefore... Usually the father was the one who would take care and make sure that, uh, be on top of things to make sure that she gets married. So we want to make sure that uh, she's designated, she, gets, she is engaged uh, to, to, uh, to a person. Um, and she didn't do me in. She didn't uh, back out. She kept, she kept to it. And then when she gets older, 
What does she do? She has, as she's above the age of 12, she has sexual relations with her husband. And, uh, and then after that, she then goes ahead and she marries somebody else. Without a divorce document, she marries somebody else. Vanessa says, Rav Amar ain't shrikha get mishini. Rav is of the opinion that when she marries somebody else, that is not a halachic marriage. Why? Because on a biblical level, once she had sexual relations with that other person, with, with, with her husband, with the actual husband, her first husband, uh, once she has sexual relations, after she's above, when she's above the age of 12, she has in mind, Rav is of the opinion, that this has to be within the context of a marriage. On a biblical level, once she turns 12, this now transforms through the act of sexual relations, it transforms into a biblical marriage. Until now, it was only rabbinic when she's under the age of 12. They just allowed this on a rabbinic level to help her out. Now that she's above the age of 12, on a biblical level, they have sexual relations. They're having it for the purpose of marriage. And so therefore, she then goes ahead and marries somebody else. She's already married. She can't be married to two people at once. So it must be that the second marriage is not a real marriage. They do not require a divorce document. Because Rav, with the underlying idea here is that Rav is of the opinion that... Uh, if they're having sexual relations, it must be that they're having it for the purpose of uh, fulfilling this, uh, creating this marriage into a biblical marriage. Shmuel argues. No, Shmuel says, Shmuel says, no, when they're having sexual relations, it doesn't necessarily mean it's for the purpose of marriage. It could be that if, even since on a biblical level they're not married, maybe they're having in mind that this should be part of the rabbinic marriage, but this isn't to create a biblical marriage. So we see they argue, and therefore Shmuel says, if she were to marry somebody else, uh, then we have to be concerned, and they have to have a, they have to get divorced, uh, because we have to be concerned that on a biblical level she's now married to the second guy. So we see it's the same. Essentially, what's underlying here is the same argument. Rabs of the position that when they have sexual relations, they want it within the context of marriage, and Shmuel's of the opinion that no, that if they have sexual relations, it doesn't mean that it's within the context of marriage. And there's two applications here. One application is our case, where there was a condition on the first engagement, and then they get married. And they have sexual relations. Rav is of the opinion that sexual relations was for the purpose of a new engagement because they, they wouldn't have sexual relations if it wasn't within the context of marriage. Shmuel argues and says no. That uh, no, it's, uh, uh, they, they do not require a divorce document. They're not really married because there were conditions initially and those conditions continue to exist. So we have different applications of the same idea. Why do we need both cases? So the Gemara says we need both cases. Tzricha. We need it. Why? Why? Maybe Rav only says that when we, 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 we figure out when they have sexual relations that they want it for the purpose of marriage. Maybe that's only once she turns above the age of 12. And now she's uh, with her husband that she's been with since she was uh, a minor. So in that case, she's doing it for the purpose of, of marriage. But in a case where there's a condition put in, in our case where there's a condition, well, who said? There's a, it, it's a different scenario. We have a different framework here. There was already a condition, so maybe that condition continues to, to exist. We can't prove from one to the other that Rav would be consistent because there are other factors involved. There's the factor that there was already a condition put into place beforehand, so maybe that condition continues to exist. And uh, same thing in the other direction. If we only had um, our case where there was a condition initially from the original engagement, Maybe only in that case Shmuel says that you don't need a divorce document uh, because uh, you're not really, uh, even once you have sexual relations, it's all based on the original condition. But in a scenario where there are no conditions, i.e. the case where the katana, the minor, she marries, she's married on a rabbinic level, and then she has sexual relations after she, she's above the age of 12, that maybe Shmuel agrees that in that case where there are no conditions, 
that really it was for the purpose of creating it and turning it into a biblical marriage. Okay, that is the argument between Rav and Shmuel. It's an important argument. The Gemara will continue to analyze this argument. So the Gemara says, I don't understand Shmuel. Tanan. What about our Mishnah? We have in our Mishnah. The Mishnah says that uh, they are engaged and um, then afterwards they get fully married without any conditions and they find out that they're, she took oaths upon herself. Then they have to get divorced. But she doesn't get, receive her ksuba. But they still have to get divorced. They still have to get divorced. Isn't the case of the Mishnah as follows? Isn't it working off of the first case? There are really four cases in the Mishnah, but two of them have to do with taking oaths. So the first case was that they were engaged on the condition that there, that there are no oaths. And then the second case is where she just gets married, fully married, the chuppah, the canopy, fully married without any conditions. Isn't it working off based off of the scenario of the first case? I.e., it's a situation where first she gets engaged with conditions. And then she gets fully married. And the Mishnah says that she requires a divorce document. That's exactly the case that Rav and Shmuel argue about. And Rav says they require a divorce document. Shmuel says they don't. So our Mishnah seems to be completely against Shmuel. So answers the Gemara. Moving on to Ayin Gimel Base 73b. Lo, no, what is the case of the Mishnah? Kitchistam v'kantzistam. Avakitchistam v'kantzistam. Achanami d'lo b'yigita. No. The case of the Mishnah is where there are no conditions. It's not working off of the first case. It's a totally new case. There have never been conditions on the engagement. There's never been conditions on the marriage. That's the case where Shmuel says that they're married. They would have to get divorced. But there's no ksuba, which we'll explain why in a minute, why there's no ksuba. But there is no ksuba. If there's no conditions here, why is there no ksuba? We'll get to that. So the Gemara then says, Essentially, the Gemara then asks, well, on Shmuel, Shmuel's other opinion as follows. If you have one case is where uh, they get engaged and married without any conditions whatsoever, on either the engagement or the marriage, no conditions. In that case, um, once you find out about the oath, so then they require a divorce document, but she does not receive her ksuba because she took this oath uh, before they were engaged. However, uh, in a case where there were conditions, so then Shmuel's of the opinion, even if they were to get married, so then the conditions still continue to exist, even if they were to get married. So why does the Mishnah give that case? The Mishnah gives a case of where there are conditions, and then if she finds out about the fact that she took oaths while they were engaged. No, give a bigger uh, a bigger chiddush, a bigger uh, novel concept and, and idea. That even if they were to get married, and afterwards they find out that she did take on certain, she, she took on certain oaths, that they, that retroactively makes it that uh, nothing exists. That, that their engagement doesn't exist, the marriage doesn't exist. Why don't we say that? So the answer is, yeah, that's, that's actually how Shmuel reads that first, mission, that first case in the Mishnah. End of the day, the first case in the Mishnah is where they find out about the fact that she took these oaths after they were married. That's really have to, how we have to read the Mishnah. Okay, just a few more lines in the Gemara here. As we analyze this, the Gemara then says, according to Shmuel, according to Shmuel, in a case where there are no conditions, where there's conditions, the conditions have to be met even if they get married, and at the stage of marriage there are no conditions, but it's working based off the original conditions. Okay, that we understand within Shmuel. If there are conditions, they have to be met, even if they get fully married. However, Shmuel is also the opinion 
that if there are no conditions, so then when they get engaged and then they get married, and then they find out that she took certain oaths upon herself, then they have to get divorced because it's a marriage, but there's no ksuba. So I want to know, what's the difference? My shna if she doesn't receive the ksuba because the husband's saying I never had in mind even though there was no explicit condition but I never had in mind to marry somebody who's taking on all these oaths upon herself I never had that in mind so if that's the case so then the whole marriage should be thrown out because uh, uh, because uh, he never had that in mind so therefore the, the whole engagement was based on a, a faulty assumption. And the whole marriage was based on a faulty assumption. So they shouldn't even require a divorce document. So the Gemara answers, essentially two very similar answers, but two different answers. The first school of thought is that, you're right, on a biblical level, Shmuel would agree. They are not married. Anytime that, uh, even if he doesn't say on condition, he just has in mind that he doesn't want to marry somebody who has, takes upon herself various oaths that are to her detriment, that are there that cause pain, pain upon her. So then, they're really not married on a biblical level. We only require a divorce document on a rabbinic level. On a rabbinic level, they look married. Biblical level, they're not married. So on a rabbinic level, we say, give a divorce document. That is one answer. Very similar answer is the second answer. Rav says it's a little more complicated. He says that, really... Once, so there's an, there's an engagement, um, and then they get married. When they get married, there are no conditions. Once they get married, we also, we're not sure. We're not sure. Is this person, does he really care about the fact that his wife is taking oaths upon herself? Or does he not care? We don't know. It's a suffix. We don't know. He didn't make any conditions. He just got married to her. So we're not sure if, if, if such a person uh, cares about this or not. So since we're not sure, when it comes to money, i.e. the ksuba, so then... We say she shouldn't receive her ksuba. We should assume that they're not married, so she doesn't receive her ksuba. Leave it by the husband. But when it comes to uh, the actual marriage, whether they require a divorce, for that we're more stringent upon it and say, "Give it." We're not sure. Maybe they are married, maybe they're not married. On the chance that they're married, she needs a divorce document. Otherwise, she can't marry somebody else. And so, therefore, we'll sort of split because we're not sure. When it comes to the money, the ksuba, we don't allow her to take the money. It's in the hands of the of the husband. We don't let her take it because it's a, it's, a, it's questionable. But at the same time, she has to get divorced. She has to get divorced because since it's questionable whether or not she's married. She can't go ahead and marry somebody else. So we, as a chumrah, as a stringency, we say get divorced, and then she can go marry whomever she wants. Okay, we are by the third wide line on Ayin Gimel Bay seventy three B, and we'll continue with this topic in the next class.